This is a download from MFR. The 80s Rewind again with Paul Stevenson and Gino Conti. Took me to the age of 15 to wear the glasses I was prescribed. I fancied them for maybe six months until my sister bought it out. I think that's, I think that's guys. Joey, Joey, it's a boy, Joey, not a girl, Joey. Was that kind of conversation, yeah, was it? I yeah. thought he's Swedish, you never know, Swedish. Didn't he do it what, first? What, was a tailor? No, the... He's a flasher. <laughs> well, technically, yeah. I feel Michael Bolton, the best thing he did as an artiste was getting his hair cut. Stay because... out of the 80s. <laughs> 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 nice season, true, true. <laughs> Nick Kershaw's riding the donkey, right? Give me that. He's like, and there's a toe and a reel and a reel. Doing all that, right? And the donkey's like, you're stopping, like, stopping. The 80s Rewind again with Paul Stevenson and Gino Conti. Welcome to the first podcast of the 80s Rewind again, the brand new podcast which complements the world class. I think it was actually uh, voted in a poll as the greatest 80s radio show of all time. Amazing. Amazing. It was, well, I think it was voted by friends and family of myself, but still yes. it counts. They all count. Well, this is it. I mean, if you can't rely on your friends and family, who can you rely on? Exactly. Exactly. It's how I like to look at things. Anyway, I'm Paul Stevenson. I am the presenter of the 80s Rewind show on MFR2. And alongside me is the man Kevin Rowland sang a song about. He did, yes. Well, technically it wasn't me. It was a oh. trumpet playing guy. Oh. But no, I'll take it. I'm Gino. Uh, from it, Gino Nicky I, I thought it was about you. No, no, it was about Gino Washington. Oh, sort of, um, no. Jazz trumpet playing sort of boy. I've been telling everyone it was about you. But I just want to say, mm. I'm loving the fact that we've got 80s lighting in the studio. Not not like sort of fluorescent <laughs> lighting, it's the fact that I walked in, Paul had it dim, because obviously, because we're in year 2012, we're trying to be more energy efficient and stuff. That's but now, it, yep. Because we've done an 80s podcast, we don't care, so the lights are at full blast, probably burning into our skulls as we, as we, as we podcast right now. Yes, so it's uh, it's, it's going to be good. Um, plenty to come up on the show. Um, over the last month or so, I've interviewed Nick Kershaw. Oof! tell you. Nathan Moore from Brother Beyond. Oh, he's a good looking boy. He certainly is. And uh, John Parr. You're the voice... <laughs> That's John Farnham. Oh, that's <laughs> Good to see you know what you're talking about. <laughs> nice that that's you've why we brought got you in. Yes, I, I, I got confused. I'm excited. Right, I'm excited. Right. I'm all a bit excited. I, I get confused. I get confused. I, confused. I vetted all the presenters. I thought I'm going to need someone alongside me that can bring the energy of the '80s. So I sat them all down. I gave them all a pop test, and I said, "Name me five Tom Cruise films of the '80s." Top Gun, Rescue Business. <laughs> Done. Rain Man. Days of Thunder, cocktail. Hey, 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 see, give me a chance. I've just right. come off air. I've just come off air. You're like, oh, okay, after four hours of broadcasting. Oof, yeah, give, give me a break. That's okay. all right. No, I'm just. Do, have you ever seen John Farnham? He looks just like John Parr. John Parr was really? his. John, John Parr's got big hair like this. Uh, I was so John. Well, John Farnham not nowadays, but yeah. you had a cut. But no. John Farnham was kind of like the the version in Australia of Cliff Richard. He's been he's been going fifty years. And, and you love a bit of Cliff. I love, I love you Cliff. You love Cliff. I love Cliff. Yeah. In fact, I've yet to change my Cliff Richard image on my Cliff Richard calendar for September. This is genuine, by the way. If anybody wants to know, you do have a Cliff Richard calendar, and you have had one since what, 1970. <laughs> yeah, since a long time. But yeah. for this year in, in particular, I've been using social networking, and I've been posting up that monthly picture of Cliff Richard. And somebody actually tweeted me last month and said, "You can tell the month's not started until Gino posts up the latest picture of Cliff Richard." It's true. Like it's Amazing. true. Is it? Does it take prouder place at the, in the Conti household kitchen? Oh, that's good. Near the back door. So when you when you cook in, you can have a look at Cliff. Well, I find every time I let, I let the cat in, I find out what I'm doing this for the other month. <laughs> like, <laughs> fair enough. Fair I enough. Just had podcast with Paul, and then I picture the John Farnham, John Park. Don't get that mixed up. I do it, I'll <laughs> and do you it did it within the first thirty yeah. seconds. Great start. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Nick Kershaw, Nathan Moore, John Park. We've got a 25th anniversary tribute to Dirty Dancing. We have 25 years old just a few weeks ago. 
That and, fascinates um, me that's 25 years old. Oh, it's bizarre, isn't it? Time flies. I mean, we're the... that old. Yeah, well, a bit older, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but yeah, we've got a tribute by yourself yes. and your on-air wife, Nikki Ma, pretending to be Swayze and the other bird. Um, Jennifer, Grey. Um, Jennifer Jennifer Grey, who, um, who is she really, she's changed quite a lot. She looks nothing like the Jennifer Grey of Dirty Dancing and Red Dawn. Because oh, yeah. I think she starred in Red Dawn with Patrick Swayze. That's about the Russian sticker yeah, of America. Is, and yeah. they're just school kids like the Wolverines. Oh, my word. I love this podcast. I haven't even started. My God. Who gave you Smarties before this? I, I don't know. I think it was Smarties. I think it was probably... <laughs> Can't say that. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, loads coming up. Um, but before we get into any of that, yes. I thought it's probably best we, we establish our 80s credentials and we just let the, the listener in to, to see what we like about the 80s. Okay. So, a few questions. I'm going to start off with you first. Favourite singer or band of the 80s, Mr. Gino Conti? During the 80s, I was trapped in the world of Rocky Balboa. Okay? And I wouldn't have this physique if Sylvester had never... <laughs> Never convinced the studio to cast him okay. in his first Rocky movie, okay? Okay. But the soundtrack, there's always been a montage of the Rocky movies, but it didn't come to light, okay, until puberty burst onto me as I watched Rocky 3, right? And I of the Tiger. Survivor, I the Tiger. Lead singer. If you say his name really quickly, we're going to do a wee test here. If you say oh. his name really quickly, it sounds like you're blazing, okay? <laughs> his name is Jimmy Jameson. But if you see it really quickly, <laughs> Jimmy Jameson. Jimmy Jameson. Yeah, that's true. You've been drinking Jimmy yeah. Jameson. So Jimmy is Jameson. That, is that not a bottle of whiskey, Jimmy Jameson? Jimmy Jameson. Uh, Jameson's whiskey. Jimmy yes, Jameson. it's an Irish whiskey. And uh, Jimmy Jameson, he was one of those first sort of '80s sort of singers to wear the sort of cap to the side, like the boy oh. Foreigner in I Know Love Us, the video. And he, you know, that that cap attracts women because in the Foreigner video, he's giving, it, <laughs> I want to know what love is, and he sort of bows down by the. But the microphone, he looks up, and he's next thing you know, there's a model that's came on stage, really tight jeans. I don't think she had pants on. And he starts snogging her, and I think, whoa, it's like Jimmy Jameson's fault. I think that happened in most of the 80s videos, to be fair, though. Didn't happen in Culture Club, coming in, you know, on a barge. There's probably a reason for that, but yeah. Well, because they were dressed as women. Really. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something, yeah. Okay, let's However, move. they were maybe oh, kissed by a man dressed as a woman. It's, I don't it's all know. confusing. But I just love the fact that Rocky, well, Sylvester Stallone, because he's a real person, Sylvester yeah. Stallone uh, was looking for a Not band, world. and Survivor <laughs> had been doing a bit of sort of like 80s sort of crap American rock until they got the call from Sylvester Stallone. He says, like, when I'm punching the bag, if I'm training, you know, like, boof, boof, boof. I want that sort of beat, I want that sort of movement into a song. And then Eye of the Tiger was born. Amazing, amazing. Moving on, favourite album? Uh, favourite album has to be uh, Love Dumb and I managed to meet him when I was a boy oh. although I can't remember but I called him uncle who used to run he was the catering manager in the Edinburgh Playhouse and during the 80s he used to sneak in my sister and I my older sister and I and we stand at the lighting of the big top balcony oh, and yeah. watch all the bands and Paul Young was one of the first celebrities I ever met oh. and Paul Young's uh, The that Secret cool. Association album because it's got that tune every time you go oh it makes me oh, cry every time it's and beautiful. then if you end up watching Plain Swings and Automobiles you don't realise it's used in that at a bit when he's le- oh you're, bu- you're bubbling you're bubbling. Every time you go away, you take a piece of me with you. You are the sort of person that cries at films. I'm as very well, sentimental, aren't you? I'm very you emotional. Are, emotional. You are very emotional. You'll probably cry by the end of this podcast as well, if I'm being honest. <laughs> God, he's doing it now. Doing if it now. I get John Parr and John Farnham mixed up again, I'll be crying. <laughs> Put it that way. You will be because I'll be hitting you. Anyway, favourite film? Favourite film from the 80s has to be About Last Night. 
Really? About last night. Yeah. Ah. I know there's obvious ones. I was expecting to you to go with Rocky. No, no, ah. Rocky was helping me with my musical inspiration. Mm. Rocky films are rubbish, to be fair. <laughs> really? No, but uh, my favourite movie, because I sort of grew up in the 80s, you know, I started like, seeing girls, started worrying about my appearance and all that, I, I suppose, which is a bit <laughs> ironic because nobody did in the 80s. <laughs> However, uh, About Last Night was a fantastic movie. Rob Lowe's in it, Demi yep, Moore's yep. in it, um, uh, John, all the usual, John Belushi. All the usual suspects. The usual, the usual yeah. sort of suspects. Yeah. About Last Night, amazing movie, just for the fact that the the sort of um, the man chat between John Belushi and Rob Lowe absolutely <laughs> man hilarious. Chat. You know what your problem is? Your face. You're too good looking. These girls go out with you and they get nervous, man. They feel dumpy. Best thing that happened to you, Danny, is an industrial accident. It's good. It's good. And favorite actor or actress? Um, favorite actor? I'll go for. It. I'll give it to John Belushi because oh, yeah. uh, his part. As the sort of man friend of Rob Lowe, who go, who, who Rob Lowe goes to for all this relationship advice, and he's just an animal. Makes me laugh so much. So it's got to be him. <laughs> Reminds me of somebody. Favorite TV program from the uh, 80s, favorite please. TV show. I'm stuck between two, and mm. coincidentally, they both begin with letter M. Oh right, okay. First is Man Mastermind. Advice. Oh okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Gunty and Mastermind, really. Oh, that's never going to happen. Never going to. First up, Man Advice. You had the Miami Vice t-shirt on the other day I as did, well. I did, I did, I did. I commented on how cool you looked in I that. I got loads of respect for that. And I saw that I got for a fiver in the Debenham sale. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it, yeah. But uh, no, Miami Vice. Loved Miami Vice as a kid. And uh, I used to go around and see my, my mate Kevin Lean. All right. Who lived Hi, in, Kevin. He lived in the, hi, Kev. He lived in the Crescent. I lived in the Terrace. And Kev was cool because his bedroom was a converted loft. I had to wait for him. I used to use a rubbish cowboy gun. To play my was he advice. a real friend or was he just one of these friends that you had just so you could get to use his cool stuff and go around his house and play with decent toys? And uh, once I sort of started to mature, I must admit I had a couple of friends like that. Yeah, I think uh, I think you don't kids don't really do that nowadays, but in the eighties that's mm. what we did. Yeah, we outgrew our friends. We weren't as, as spoiled back in the eighties, I don't believe. Well, I think it's more down to that um, self-preservation. I thought to myself, <laughs> if I take him, if I take him out in the nineties with me, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to settle down. It's true. Favourite item of clothing? Favourite item of clothing had to be when I was a kid. My mum gave me a shirt and it was a shirt. I once wore it to go to whatever it was, relative's party, and it looked just like one of the shirts that Eric Estrada and his very <laughs> handsome, blue-eyed, blonde American friend uh, wore when they were riding those cop bikes and chips. Beautiful. Beautiful. But it didn't I have all the now. It wasn't like, it didn't have badges on it. It was just I can like see that, a young that. Gino Conti riding his bike. Yeah, like Roger Moore, cool. James Bond, in a hot place, human jungle sort of place. He's got his sort of safari fatigues. You know that safari beige? Yep, yep, yep. It was a shirt like that with the, the lapels in the pockets. I'm a bit embarrassed to say what my item of clothing is, but we'll get to that in a bit. (laughs) I can't wait. Okay, and favourite computer game or console? What what, were you a Commodore man? Were you a Spectrum, Um, Atari? What was the deal with you? I went, I went from the sort of the loading up stage with the tapes. Twenty minutes sat there watching the dots change colour on the screen. Praying, praying the loads. And you know what used to really, you know what used to really cheese me off Uh was if you had a game that initially loaded the main game. For example, when the RoboCop game came out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was it just went from left to right, and all you did was RoboCop was point (laughs) up and go, "Come quietly, or there'll be trouble." (laughs) And you shoot, and it was like the guys were always in the same place. However, should you get past level one of RoboCop, what would happen is you had to then yeah turn it and then and then. And then if you got killed and you wanted to go back or whatever it was, you had to find a place in the tape and all the noises sound the same. Oh, it's not good. I hate the games where you have to turn the cassette over and you turn it over and it crashes and you think, oh, I'm going to have to start again now and load 20 minutes off again. That's when you would start punching it. And I used to punch my Amstrad CPC 464 keyboard (laughs) and it had a bevel in it. (laughs) <laughs> However, uh, I'm going to shape the bevel. <laughs> 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 totally, because <laughs> all you hear from downstairs, Mum, with a mantis ring for cake and tea, and you hear this banging. 
And then you go, what's Gene up to? I think he's having trouble with his computer. However, my catalogue's missing. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to move it from the sort of tape side of things. I'm going to move it to the Sega Master System, right? Ah. I mean, I, I traded in my Amstrad CPC 464 mm-hmm. in 1986, right? After begging my father, my big hairy beast of a dad. I was like, dad, please, please, please. Can I get a Master System? Because it was the Let's first name time. check him. You can't just mention him as big a big Enzo hairy baby. beast. Big, Enzo, big baby. Enzo baby. And it was the first time I thought, none of this loading up nonsense. <laughs> I'm going to press the on button after I and insert my cartridge into the top and then it'll go do Sega and it was Alex Kid, Alex Kid, right in Miracle World Alex Kid looked like a monkey if he was a boy now you'd think <laughs> he's been possibly born too close to a nuclear facility however he looked like a monkey face he had like sideburns he was only like nine and he had massive sideburns right like Wiggle yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff and he wore like a yellow he was brilliantly from Emmerdale remember them yes oh, I find it so see people like he's living in the woods <laughs> anyway, he had, he had a, a yellow karate suit with, uh, was it red karate suit with yellow trim? I can't remember, but it was a karate suit with different colours of trim. Right, so moving on to you then, Paul. So uh, starting with, what would you say out of all the 80s, uh, very difficult to choose from, I found this question difficult to choose, favourite singer slash band? I think back in the 80s, remembering yourself in the time zone, I mean, looking back now, I kind of think, mm, really? But no, back then, Michael Jackson was the biggest thing in the oh. whole world ever, fullstop.com. End of story. I feel real bad because he didn't even pop into my mind. But now looking back, you kind of think, really, Michael? No, but, a no, lot but, of things happened after the 80s. The, the clouds yeah, of judgment. But, but if you're in the 80s, there was nobody bigger in the world for no. me than Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. He was amazing. Could do no wrong in the 80s. That's true, yeah. What was your favourite album then? Favourite album. I keep, going, I, I, I keep picking them, but I keep returning to this one, and I'll probably get laughed at, but Tango in the Night by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, it's an amazing album. Everyone talks about rumours from the 70s, but Tango in the Night is just such a varied range. I mean, you've got Everywhere, Big Love. You've got the, the title track, Tango in the Night, which I, I used as a feature on my show before. Tango. Tango. That's right. And why is Tango... So why, what is... If you had one reason to say that is my rumours, why is it your rumours? I just think that it encapsulated so much of the 80s. You've got Stevie Nicks in there, you've got Lindsay Buckingham singing, so you've got different vocals, you've got different guitar styles, you've got big Mick Fleetwood bashing heck out the drums. But no, it's just that the whole album from start to finish, you can listen to all the way through and it doesn't get boring. Do you know some albums you listen to and you've got a few fillers yeah, in there no, and yeah, yeah. they kind of sound a bit the same as the last track you've just heard? Not at all with that album. Love it from start to finish. I'm going to go back and revisit Tango on the Night. Do it. Okay. What was your favourite movie of the 80s then? Favourite film? Cheesy. I, I prefer Cheesy. I didn't like sitting down and watching films that were going to take too much out of me I don't like all the ones heartstrings or anything that's yeah. too confusing got to sit down and really pay attention so Back to the Future 2 loved it Cheese Fest Galore Michael J. Fox Christopher Lloyd Michael J. Fox more like a couple of teenagers you know and Michael J. Fox Mom is that you? Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film Back to the Future gotta get back in what, why, why number two? What? I don't know. I just think at the time, it's just looking forward to 2015 because it's so long away and thinking, I can't wait to 2015 because I want a hoverboard. But imagine now it's like three years away. <laughs> yeah, I know it's bizarre, isn't it? But no, I just, I just love the way that they kind of intertwine back to the 50s again, yeah. forward to the 2015, and then back to... 2015 again when it was the alternate version of 2015 it was just I thought it was really well done I mean Cliff Towers and that yeah slightly light on the old storyline but I just Michael J Fox was awesome and I just loved the, the nonsense of it all but it was a bit weak it was the weakest yeah. probably weak, it was weak a lot weaker than the first one story wise however story-wise, yeah. I just love the fact they all played their sort of future selves yeah, just, I yeah. love, and that, that was like you could tell who was who but it was amazing it was but right, yeah, so that was your my... favourite movie what yeah. was your favourite actor or actress what do you like um, a difficult one 
Again, I'm, I'm into the cheese, so Michael J. Fox is up there. I yeah. loved the cheesy films like Secret of My Success, all that sort of stuff that I'll, he did That as was well. a great movie. It was, was Team Wolf. Movie. I loved Team Wolf. Can I just say, right? Okay, Can I just okay. say, right? Watching Secret of My Success, I was too young to know really what sex was <laughs> and things. But see, the whole you, scene in the swimming pool yeah, and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a bit... Like his uncle's... <laughs> it was, technically, she was his auntie, and you think to yourself... Yeah. If I'd been me now then, oh aye. I mean, fair play to Michael J. Fox for, for going into that business and pretending to be the big shot and kind of running from one office to another. Yeah, and amazing. Oh, I, was drawing. Yeah, I like when brilliant. he gets caught in the lift and he does, <laughs> he does like, <laughs> the lifting up and it's like, what did he want to do? He's got his shirt open, he's got his tie <laughs> tie hanging down, he's got his red pants on oh, and he just does like a good. muscle man in the big, <laughs> the big sort of second. He's like, he was oh awesome. my God. He was awesome, I he tell you. He still is. Absolutely still is. awesome. Love Absolutely him. awesome. So, yeah, I'd probably say Michael J. Fox, but a big shout out to Tom Cruise as well when he was still normal. A small shout out to Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Probably mom. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving from uh, the big screen to the small screen, favourite TV programme? For me, in my household, it was a case of, I don't know why, but looking back, the ones I remember clearly are game shows. We sat down and we watched game shows a lot. So, Krypton Factor is one of them. Oh, my word. Absolutely adored that. Absolutely adored that. <laughs> The mental agility, the watching the little video and then trying to remember the, the questions. The assault course, yeah, the zip wire and the going through the mud and the up the poles and all. Oh, Did you watch I mean, it week, week in, week out? Pretty much, yeah. Go Why were those videos when you had to spot things? Always Inspector Marsh. <laughs> yes, it's true. Yeah, and I used to like watch how they put these stained glass windows together as well. You remember, it always looked dodgy. <laughs> stuff. Oh, can he do it? And you get the commentary over the top. <laughs> Duncan in Blue's first cry. Well done, Duncan in Blue. Closely followed by Janet in Yellow. Yay, well done, Janet. It's, do you know what I mean? It was just brilliant. And the other one was uh, me and my dad. We used to sit and watch Question a Spot. Bill Bowman opposite um, Emlyn Hughes. I know it, I know it. And uh, uh, Ian Botham, I think it changed too, somewhere to- towards the Emlyn end of the and 80s. Bill were the best, though. Definitely. They were the original. I loved ones. Emlyn Hughes. I loved him. I was a Liverpool fan. He was so excitable. Yeah. He was. He's like, you! He's like, oh, 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 I know this one! Oh, and Not got bad. Bill Bowman on the other side. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> like, but you just knew afterwards he went and got absolutely trousered. Oh, I love it. Me and my dad used to sit there with the scorecards. Oh, brilliant. Loved and do you think, were you, do you think that moulded you? Because I know you were really much into your sport, big time. I could be, yeah. Was, I think my dad was big into sport, though. He was the sort of guy that'd sit there with the, the newspaper. This is this is pre every football match being on telly. Don't forget, and we lived in Germany at the time because he was in the forces. But anyway, he'd sit there on a Saturday afternoon with his newspaper. He'd have uh, the football league table. He'd have all the, the fixtures. Wow. He'd have the radio on the go. He'd have grandstand on TV, wow. and he'd be changing the league table on the newspaper in front of him with a pen as it went along. And that was my Saturday afternoon sitting watching that my dad change stuff like that. He was obsessed with it. Anyway, um, the only thing that disappointed me in the Krypton Factor mm. is the fact that Superman. I never appeared on it. <laughs> right, uh, what about uh, your favourite item of clothing? What was your... It's a bit embarrassing, but when I look back, it's the only thing I seem to wear, apart from my Liverpool top, my candy, with candy across the oh, middle. Oh, yeah, candy, <laughs> that's right. Whatever happened to candy, they went crown under paints. quick. I'm, there wasn't any kid size of crown paints. I remember wearing my dad's, like, medium man shirt and, like, down to my knees or something. Anyway, yeah. Um, embarrassing, but it was a, a shell suit. And it was bright yellow. Oh my god! What what sort of make was <laughs> it? What were we talking? Well, I don't yeah. think it was a make. To be fair, I think it was bought off a Sunday market or something like that. I would think it was highly flammable. <laughs> I think it was. Well, that's the thing because my mum was ironing it one day. I don't know why she was ironing it, Chelsea. <laughs> she ironed it one day and she put a hole here, just on the oh. chest, on one side. So she said, "Don't worry, I'll fix it, love. I'll fix it. It's bright yellow. This is talking luminous yeah, yellow, yeah. not banana yellow. Luminous just yellow." Like... And she put a black stripe down the, <laughs> <laughs> the old one stripe. You must have looked like it's Bruce Lee. And... Oh, a luminous yellow oh, kill all, Bill oh that was amazing I used to stroll about the streets in my luminous yellow shell suit look at me yeah. with my Liverpool top on not a scouser I mean stereotype <laughs> at all but I hope you never said to my mum 
you never said to your mum like don't burn any more of my clothes with black stripes on it you know I, mean? I don't even know it's black stripe boy <sighs> anyway let's move on to um, from item of clothing then to your favourite computer or maybe console game what was, what computer did you have were you ZX Spectrum and Commodore definitely Commodore 64 I think my dad actually went and bought a Commodore 16 as well I don't know why because it was like a cheaper rubbish version of it but anyway we had a Commodore 64 and I always remember playing Daily Thompson's the, the, the decathlon the decathlon game, game. Yeah, like that on the old uh, joystick that was the joystick of the computer just in case you were just checking I was hoping so I was hoping so that's it yeah uh, so no yeah Daily Thompson's Decathlon I remember playing Football Manager 2 as well I don't Football Manager the first 2 one. Oh yeah Football Manager 2 it was awesome on the Commodore 64 and then towards the end of the decade I think um, I, I didn't get the Master System I got the NES what the Super Nintendo yeah, just the, the first one the Nintendo oh, the NES, entertainment the NES, system yeah, yeah. It was Super NES, 16 right. bit or something whatever. what was your favourite yeah. what was it Mario was it Mario or Donkey Kong yeah I think I had uh, like Chip and Dale Paperboy and things like that on there Paperboy was yeah. terrific that was amazing getting chased by a mini tornado because that's the thing you'd go to the arcades and you'd pump about 25 quid into <laughs> Paperboy and then for all of a sudden to turn on your own telly and have Paperboy yeah. oh it was amazing well, absolutely amazing and the Game Boys remember the Game Boys my dad came home with one of them bricks they were they were, they were the like, fact it was portable and you could like walk around with it the speaker that's up here this is a massive that was your Game Boy. <laughs> that was my Game Boy, and I was obsessed by Tetris. To be a, to be fair, I still am. And when it when they came out with the Color Game Boys, yeah. I went and bought the Color Game Boy with Tetris and played it to death. And I, I still love it. I, I just love the simplicity of Tetris. Tetris, we unbelievable, all day long. Also, one of the best uh, game soundtracks ever. In fact, whenever I drink <laughs> vodka, I always have in my head. The more vodka I drink, the faster the theme tune gets. Ding, 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 ding. Let's do the dance. Hey! Hey! It's not really working, Paul. It's a podcast. It's not working. And you see, I'm excitable. Anyway, time to listen to a bit of an interview now. Cool. Now, this is a bit of a legend of a guy asked by Bob Geldof personally to appear at Live Aid. Majure. Nope. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I mentioned it at the start of the show. Obviously not listening. Um, so yeah, Nick Kershaw. I've already spoken to him a couple of times on the show in the past. So this is more of a kind of what he's doing now. And he's actually on tour. He's got a new album out. So this is him basically talking about his new album. It's called Eight. And he's on tour. He'll be appearing in Glasgow later on this month. The 20th of September it is. Anyway, so here's the interview with Nick Kershaw. Sounding brilliant. The sky's the limit. That's the new single that came out yesterday from Nick Kershaw. I've got Nick with me at the moment still. Uh, Nick, you're you're on a bit of a tour as well in September, right? To to promote the album. Yeah, we're promoting the album. Also, I had the Universal bought out my um, first album at the beginning of the year, Human Racing. Yeah. And we're gonna on the tour. We're gonna be performing the entire album in uh-huh. one half of the show, and the ne- other half of the show we're gonna be doing bits and pieces from the new album and sort of just general stuff from the years in between really and to delight our listeners obviously you're playing Glasgow at the ABC on the 20th yeah I always look forward to playing Glasgow it's a, it's a special crowd in Glasgow it certainly is and it is a big tour as well isn't it you've got you're playing the O2 Academies all over and as I said the ABC and you've got London Shepherds Bush Empire there as well yeah might maybe slightly ambitious so I don't know we'll see how we get on it's it's uh, it's it's just great to get out again I've, I've toured since 2001 and not with a band mm. um, I've done you know sort of acoustic things uh, over the years but I haven't gone out with the band uh, uh, apart from the odd you know the odd gig yeah. throughout the years um, do you take your band when you then? do the likes of the, the Rewind Festival and that sort of thing sometimes so, yeah sometimes I do sometimes you, you use the house band sometimes you use your own band it, it, it changes all the time you still enjoying doing those kind of big revival festivals where you get back to see everyone that was uh, around in the day 
I do. I mean, that's that's. But you know, it's just a, a tremendous amount of fun. That's what, why you really do. I, I did. I did. I was asked to. You know, people started asking me to do those kind of things sort of seven or eight years ago, and I, I kicked and screamed, and I protested because I thought, you know, and I, I don't want to be defined by what I did thirty years ago and all this kind of nonsense. And and then you realise, well, actually, you know what? What's what's the, what's not to like? You get pushed on stage in front of thirty or forty thousand people some, on some of these gigs. Um, uh, and you get you, you get to play those songs, and you get you know it's a great fun to do it, and um, and they they pay you for it, you know, like <laughs> you, I should be paying them. That's what should be really happening. Good stuff, and you still enjoy playing some of the older hits as well. I do. They're great things to have, even when you're doing your own gigs and you're playing your new stuff. You you, you do realize a lot of people are there have been with you all throughout the years, mm. you know, and very loyal fans, and and, and they want to hear those songs, and why shouldn't they? Indeed. Um, just looking at the liner notes in your album as well, uh, I noticed that a certain Chesney Hawks is on there as backing vocals. Are you still big friends with him? I'm very... Yeah, he's a dear friend, him and his family. Um, I've, kept, I've kept in touch over the years, and we've, we, you know, uh, he actually wrote a song on my last album, and the, I think the album before that, he had, a, he, had a couple, he had a song on that as well that we wrote together. Um, very, very underrated guy, Chesney, really good... T- brilliant singer talent very talented songwriter um he got a bit of a rough deal really in the 80s because he had to he had to promote you know a song that i'd written <laughs> for for a for a movie soundtrack which and then that got presented as his first album so yeah it wasn't you know he didn't have the the greatest start we in fact he had too too good a start really and then had yeah. to follow it and that was the problem but he's um yeah he's he's moving to the uh, los angeles and we're going to be losing him soon oh. unfortunately Oh, indeed, yeah. So if, if anyone's a little baffled why you wrote the one and only for him, didn't you? And he went out and performed it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I didn't actually write it for Ches. I just wrote it um, when I stopped I stopped making records in 89, I think, for about nine years. But that was one of the first songs out of the bag for, you know, uh, as far as being a songwriter and a producer for other people. <laughs> but And then he recorded it a couple of years later. It's one of the first ones and it became a massive hit. You must have thought it was pretty easy this time. This yeah, I did. It, was, it gave, <laughs> gave me a false impression of how easy. It was actually a very difficult thing to do. It's, it's a completely different discipline, writing songs for other people. Good stuff. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Nick. Yeah, best of luck it's with the tour pleasure. and uh, promoting the album and everything. And we're going to finish off with uh, one of my favourite tracks of yours, actually, which is Dancing Girl. So if you don't mind, if you could just introduce that for us here, that'd be perfect. Brilliant. This is Nick Kershaw, and this is Dancing Girls. So yeah, Nick Kershaw there. This is the 80s Rewind Again podcast based on the uh, 80s Rewind show that I present on a Tuesday night on MFR2. Alongside me still is uh, the Italian wonder, the Italian stallion, Mr. Gino Conti. Welcome to 1982. 1982, really? No, I just, I just picked a year. I, oh, right, okay. I tend to choose from. I don't know why it was 82, could have been 86. Nick has got nothing to do with 1982. No. Anyway, Nick Kershaw, nice guy. Yes. Nice guy. I've chatted with him a few times on the show and he's, he's a lovely guy. Do you feel weird... Um, think about how Nick Kershaw was the closer you'd get to a celebrity we were growing up in the 80s it's the back of the look in magazine you'd mm. get the celebrity fact file yeah. and then these guys on the telly on the videos they look so cool with the hair and stuff <laughs> do you not feel a bit weird now being in the business where you can talk to them it is weird yeah I mean it's, it's coming up soon um, I, I interviewed somebody Joey Tempest now it's the first time I've ever been really, really nervous about an interview of he's Europe. the front man of Europe oh and I, 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 was, I was petrified I couldn't sleep before you know when I was younger right it took me to the age of 15 to wear the glasses I was prescribed 
I fancied him for maybe six months until my sister pointed out I think it's I think that's guys Joey, Joey it's a boy Joey not a girl Joey was that kind of conversation yeah, I just was it I yeah. thought he's Swedish oh. you never know Sweden <laughs> yeah so no he was no but yeah it's weird speaking to these guys again I mean I've spoken to loads of people over the, the few few years I've been doing mm-hmm. the show there's a few that are quite up themselves I'll be honest with you yep. that kind of want to be oh it's all about what I'm doing now I, I don't want to speak about the 80s or blah 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 yeah it's like they're embarrassed yeah, by it's their like, success come on, get a grip this is what made you this is what people know well, you for well no, if it yeah. wasn't for the 80s exactly and, and to be fair the music they made in the 80s is a lot better than what they're doing now but uh, yeah so it's just nice to chat with these people and a lot of them just like coming in and they, they don't mind telling the stories about the big songs and the, the, the heydays and being out on tour and doing this that and the other and it's nice to chat and nice to hear about it as well I think so what, what was the answer what was the riddle <laughs> I've actually spoken to him as Did well we about this in the, the past riddle? there was no riddle it was a load of words which fit nicely with the rhythm of the song and every time he tried to rewrite the lyrics he said it wasn't happening it just didn't sound as good as the nonsense what the, was, was it the, the tree and the river and a hole in the, and I was like right there's how many sides of the room have how'd you get out was there a window yeah no basically it was just a load of nonsense words he stuck in the, the, the tune it fit nicely and he just kept it in the end and he said at the time that people were running competitions to find out who can find the exact meaning of Nick Kershaw's riddle? <laughs> yeah. Nick will be winning you this, bra- all that sort of stuff. And he's like, Crazy. excuse me, there's, there's no, there's no real meaning behind the song. Yeah, it was and, just like, yeah, people were running competitions, this and the other, and there was people phoning him up and oh, okay, oh, go and tell the answer. What's, what's the deal? Yeah. What's, what's, what's happening? I never really understood when I was a boy in the eighties. Mm. Don Quixote, <laughs> what do you say? Right? Because I thought to myself, hey, wait a minute. Um, and years to come, there was a movie called Don Quixote mm. we've seen that some sort of Spanish like like a Casanova sort of yeah, but, yeah. either that or was it maybe like uh, a porridge based cereal for donkeys <laughs> Don Quixote <laughs> if somebody had invented that in the 80s Nick Kershaw would have been told 985 I can see a t-shirt I am Nick Kershaw I can see a t-shirt oh, Don Quixote that yeah. is brilliant yeah and the we'll donkey do like the donkey uh, like filmed in black <laughs> Nick Kershaw's <laughs> riding the donkey, right? Give it that. He's like, and there's a toe in a riddle in a minute. Do all that, right? And the donkey's like, you're starving, like starving. Because he's been back and forth along the beach. And then what does he have? Doesn't have Weetabix. Doesn't have Frosties. Donkey Oi. Bing in your microwave. No baller. What should remove the gremlin, I suppose, because it's still the 80s. And then the donkey gives it nom nom nom. And then he's just, yeah, and he's got the hat on. He's got that um with stupid t shirt. Eh? I went to Blackpool. All I got was a Sticky rock, eh? Oh my god. You ever think about that? No. <laughs> Possibly. But that was the last of his basically big hits yeah. as Nick Kershaw. Don Quixote, he got number 10 or something like that in 1985. But before then, he had big songs. And my my favourite song of his was always uh, Dancing Girls. I just like the fact that you've had a bad, bad, bad day, whatever. Yeah. Bring on the dancing girls. Totally. I mean, totally. I can see a different video to that than riding along Bratpool Beach on a donkey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. imagine which one I prefer to be in, if I'm being yeah. honest. Not that you've you've come up with a bad concept well, or anything. I, I love your concept. Yeah, but I think Bring On the Dancing Girls is probably a slightly better video if I'd been involved. So yeah, but to be fair, the donkey would fit in either. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking next to um, an eighties heartthrob. I'm not talking about Gino Conti. I'm talking about a boy band member, Nathan Moore from Brother Beyond. I put this up on Facebook uh, when I was on air and said, uh, anyone remember this guy? And all the women flocked. Oh, I used to fancy him. Oh, I thought he was amazing back in the day. Blah, Fantastic here. Yes. He had like an Elvis style, sort of, in a sense, the quiff's coming back now. Look, look at Beckham and stuff. He had that. He always seemed to have that nice, um, 
tan as well, didn't he? he was totally. Always totally tanned, and he had like the. But he looked real, and... not like an Essex fake tan. It was like mm. he looked like a very nice, clean boy that liked the sunshine and liked to slick bag his hair. And he was very, be- he was beautiful. He was, he was beautiful. probably one of the first men I ever saw and thought, he's actually beautiful. Apart from Joey Tempest. Yeah, well, Joey Tempest, as I said, I thought he was a girl, so. But he's the first boy. <laughs> yes, first right, boy that you actually. That I thought personally. Is this. Is this... Okay, I'm just checking. Um, yeah, so basically, I spoke to Nathan Moore, um, and he was a bit more open about um, the 80s stuff, because obviously I've not chatted to him before. It's the first time I've spoken to him. And he was um, telling me all about the fact that if it wasn't for EMI winning um, a charity auction, then Brother Beyond probably wouldn't have ever been. Yeah, it was a sort of music business um, charity do, and they, they what they were giving away was, right, if someone bids for this, we'll write and produce a song for an act of your choice. Uh, so please bid high and EMI bid the highest I think they paid about £25,000 so because of that auction that that was a very lucky moment you know it certainly wasn't from that came the harder I try yeah they crafted a perfect song for us you know with this sort of Motown feel and they had they even sampled the drum roll out of uh, this is this old heart of mine so they kind of put this classic nod to it and um I mean, Pete was always wanting to build the sort of uh, Motown empire, so I think he quite liked the idea of doing a song that nodded its hat to uh, to a Motown feel. And it was perfect for us, and, you know, uh, and obviously it just worked a treat. And how did you feel at the time? Because obviously having worked so hard for the last couple of years, you finally get this one, it goes massive, and then all of a sudden you're there, you're in the limelight, you're on the front of Smash Hits, you're on top of the pops, that kind of thing. How did that feel? Oh, that was when... Um, when it really made an impact, I think. I mean, yes, you've got the internet now, and it sort of makes, you can make an impact very quickly, mm. but the power of TV uh, still is still here, and, you know, if you look at, um, back then, the, the biggest power, the X Factor kind of TV moment was Top of the Pops. Yeah. And I remember doing Top of the Pops for the first time, and the next day I was in, or just walking down Oxford Street like I always did, you know, I, I lived, you know, 10 minutes from the centre of London. And my God, you really felt the power. I really felt, oh my, oh my God, people are recognising me, like, and, to, and saying that's that guy of that band, and they talk really loudly and they don't realise it. But um, so yeah, I kind of really knew what it was like to be famous, as it were, that week. Uh, so almost overnight, you, you 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 become famous. It's you know, it was strange. And with that success, you got the album Get Even. That was a big success. You had big singles that came with it as well, didn't you? Ain't No Competition came from it as well, and Be My Twin, and, and Can You Keep a Secret as well? Yeah, yeah. We, we The two songs that Stock Aiken and Waterman did for us were obviously The Harder I Try, and that was followed up by He Ain't No Competition that went to number six. Um, then we released, released the album, that went top ten, um, leading up to Christmas, so it sold really well. And then we released um, Be My Twin, which wasn't done by them, but we'd worked with Phil Harding mm. from their studios and Can You Keep a Secret? Because our album was already ready. Um, it just, we just didn't have hit singles properly. Uh, and so by adding those two, it really kind of, you know, sold the album well. Um, so, yeah, it was only those two that we ever did with them, which is probably our big mistake. We should have kind of continued that and even more so. We probably should have done another album with even more songs, but, you know, I was going to say, there were a lot of, of factors in that time. Yeah, know? that kind of leads on to the next album. When you decided to to go back to the songwriting within the group again, didn't you? Was that was that a, a decision that you made as a collective? I think it was, and and and, and perhaps I should have made a different decision. But it, it's it, when you're in a band, you try and be loyal. Mm. And um, I think the thing is, as well, at that time, Stock Aches and Walkman was getting such a backlash 
And when you're in a band, you get the brunt of it because the media are always saying, oh, but it's, isn't it cheesy rubbish? Isn't it, you know, this isn't real music, this is that, you know. And I mean, I think looking back now, 20 years on, I think we appreciate how pretty good the, some of those songs were. Mm. But at the time, if you were an artist on it, you got a lot of, uh, a lot of stick from the media, you know, you, you're in a sort of difficult scenario. So I think that drove the band to say, come on, we're here now, let's try, you know, we know we can write songs, can't we do our own album? And it was sort of that. And it was a mistake because it didn't work out, but um, it's, that's what you do at the time, you know. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us, Nathan. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the show. Hey, it'd uh, be uh, uh, great to come back again and tell you more, if there is more to tell. Indeed. Say, but We're going to leave time. out with uh, the big single then from Brother Beyond. So if you wouldn't mind just introducing it yourself, the harder I try, that would be perfect. Hi, this is Nathan Moore from Brother Beyond. Uh, the song is called The Harder I Try and it was number two in 1988. I love Nathan Moore. Handsome. He's, does he not... Was he not like Nick Kamen? Remember Nick Kamen came many years later? And did he not have... They did, they did his modelling did the career. Old... Didn't he do it first? What, what, was it Taylor? No, the... It was a flash up. <laughs> well, technically, yeah. In the laundrette. Nick well, Kamen. That, that was, Nick Kamen did that, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Nathan Moore, did he, was he not a Levi's model at some point? I don't know, actually. I never asked him about that. I don't know if he did. Did he but do he, that? I'm sure, I'm sure, I, I can remember reading somewhere, possibly in Smash It's magazine, yeah. Well, my sisters, obviously. Yeah, my sister. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I was in a room. <laughs> go through underwear drawer. Anyway. Um, well, I was in a room. What? No, I was in a room getting Barbie because uh, actually, man, re- Barbie. Well, actually, man, I had to rescue somebody, so I'd wait for her to go out. Whatever she went out, kissing boys and chewing, passing chewing gum in her mouth and that Ooh. against the back door. I'm a good Catholic boy. Anyway, um, I remember being in a room and getting Barbie out because actually, man, I had to save somebody. Do you know what I mean? Because I had my rubber shark and yep, stuff, yep. and I used to, you know, and the, the, the sort of carpet in, the, in, the, in my, my room was, wasn't the best, wasn't the best, but that's where we, where Jaws lived, okay, so Jaws was there, and actually man had to abseil over Jaws, but Jaws used to jump up and try and eat Barbie, but he'd save her, obviously, Wow. so I never had Barbies, I was a boy, but I used to go into Lisa's room, and I'd get the Barbie from there, steal her Barbie, and I don't know why I'm talking about going into Lisa's room, I've got no Barbie, idea where this is going, I think Nathan Moore possibly <laughs> did model for Levi's at some Nathan point, Nathan Moore did sneak into your sister's room and steal her Barbie, is that what you're trying to say here? I don't understand. We might have to rewind that, listen again, and then finish the sentence. <laughs> I've got no idea where you're going at all. And if that's not true, then Nathan, we can apologise. Uh, please don't sue us. No, that's don't sue us. Say. Don't yeah. sue us. Okay. Yeah, and if it is true, then. You don't sue us, or we'll melt your plastic face. Bit harsh. Well, I'm just. Okay. No, but you've got to be aggressive. If he thinks we're a couple of. You know, no. weaklings, he'll just. He will sue us. He'll try and sue us. Well, he's obviously not seen us in person. I mean, six foot five each of us, you know? Yeah, and I'm like five four foot white. Four, yeah, 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 yeah. My biceps are like Chris Oy's thighs. Really? I've tried to ride a bike with him. I can't do it. Can't see look that at that! Look at that! Whoa! Look at that! Look at, you can you can kiss my gun from here. <laughs> Keep your gun where it's supposed to be, Mister Cunty. <laughs> and it's holster, kids. And it's holster. Okay. Indeed. We're moving on to a love yep. theme, which is probably a good time. I mentioned the 25th anniversary just past of Dirty Dancing. Oh. What a movie! Nobody puts baby in the corner. Paul. Nobody does. No. Nobody. Nobody. I if, you, if you are going to put the baby in the corner, put a dummy in its mouth. I'll just be quite eyes out. The last thing you need screaming, yeah, totally, baby, isn't it? Totally. So, yeah. And I, I should Joe, know about dancing, kids Joe, myself. What's happened since Dirty Dancing? Yeah. Mm. Nobody goes to like Butlins a lot anymore. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, Why don't they do what that? What annoyed me about Dirty Dancing? Although I did love it, and obviously it's in America, but you swim across the pond, the big massive Atlantic. You swim across the air, come That's, to your version, which is Butlins. Who would you get? You would you get Patrick Swayze? You'd Keith get Gregwin. Shane Flippin' Ritchie. 
Anyway, yeah, so Dirty Dancing, yep, as we were saying, dancing, 25th yeah. anniversary yeah, 25, of it, put together a nice little package, a tribute, an honour to the film that uh, engrossed all the women's hearts back in the day, and here it is. 25 years of Dirty Dancing. 25 years on, I would definitely still watch that film. Definitely. So amazing. I just love it. It's just an all-time classic. On August the 21st, 1987, an unassuming film opened in cinemas in the UK and in the US. Nobody could have predicted what was to come. No one thought it would be a hit. No one thought Dirty Dancing would be around 25 years later and that we'd still be talking about it. That's Helen O'Hara from Empire magazine. It was, you know, a fairly kind of small budgeted effort. Brand new stars in the shape of Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze. And, you know, a a quality supporting cast, but not one who'd made big names for themselves. A pretty much unknown group who got together and just sort of lightning struck. The film had a modest budget of just $6 million, but that fee was recouped within just 10 days as cinema-goers returned time and time again to enjoy the coming-of-age romantic drama. I remember going to see it in the cinema when it first came out. Oh, that gives my age away, doesn't it? And uh, it was just a bit dirty, actually, but I loved it because we went back. Such a girly thing. That's MFR Breakfast's Nikki Ma, and she explains just why she kept going back time and time again. It's so romantic and it's wonderful. And the fact that Baby's so clever and wants to go off and do really good things. I just, I love it all. I love it all. The film documents a teenage girl's coming of age through a relationship with a dance instructor. A dance instructor who didn't have his top on for most of the film. That dance instructor was Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze was just delicious, edible, glorious, athletic, graceful, balletic. Need I go on? Swayze, as described in a unique way by MFR's head of news, Gwen Laurie. Here's MFR's hometown presenter, Jodie McCluskey, to describe him in a more simpler way. Yeah, Patrick Swayze was pretty hot. <laughs> a view shared by these women in Inverness. He was great looking. <laughs> Any guy who can dance, I mean, wow. And boy, could he dance. I think every girl wanted a boyfriend like Patrick Swayze when the movie came out, without a doubt. From this, Swayze's career rocketed. I think he was the big winner from the film. He was the one who went on to, to star in, in really, really good stuff afterwards um, and made him into the kind of universally beloved icon that he became. Out of all the magical scenes within the film, one line stands above and beyond the rest. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> Sorry. You have to say it with a little bit of drama. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. The one at the end when he comes in and he says, nobody puts baby in the corner. That's everyone's favourite. There is another popular scene from that film, so much so that it became the number one most ranked romantic quote, as according to the Daily Mail. And to put their unique spin on the scene, as Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey, please welcome MFR Breakfast's Gino Conti and Nicky Ma. I've never known anybody like you. You think you can make the world better? Somebody's lost and you find them. Somebody's bleeding you. I go get my daddy. That's really brave, like you said. That took a lot of guts to go to him. You're not scared of anything. Me? I'm scared of everything. I'm scared of what I saw, scared of what I did, of who I am, and most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling for the rest of my life the way I feel when I'm with you. (laughs) 
stands with me. What? Here? Here. Brings a tear to the eye, doesn't it? Now And of course, no dancing movie could ever be complete without a memorable soundtrack. The theme to Dirty Dancing is still my sort of getting in the mood for going out song. Even Saturday night, I played it again. I know it's sad, but I just love it. The music, the songs, it's every song you can sing along to. When you hear it when you're out, you're all, you know, you get up, you're dancing to it. You look like an idiot, but you don't care. You know all the words. That Bill Medley, Jennifer Warren song at the end that I think just gets everybody. The song at the very end where he lifts her effortlessly above his head is anthemic. And when I need Patrick Swayze to give me a metaphorical lift, I always push on that song. The unique grip with which Dirty Dancing holds its female audience rings true to this day, 25 years on from its first release. You can keep endlessly rewatching it. I think because you know some of the, so many of the lines are kind of quotable and iconic and have become kind of a group thing, not just something you sit sit around and watch on your own. There's a certain charm to it, an innocence. It alludes to a different era, a bygone era when things were done differently. There's something about it that I think has general appeal. I think it's a guilty pleasure for lots of boys as well, despite the fact that maybe they try and deny that. Um, I think the film has general, ma- like, has mass appeal, and I think that as the years have gone on, it's just become even more iconic. So it's one of those films that you have to kind of tick off a list like along with like Back to the Future and all sorts of things like that you have to watch Dirty Dancing otherwise people are going to judge you Happy 25th birthday Dirty Dancing Now we've heard from lots of females I think it's only right we leave the last word to the legend that is Titch McCooey Dirty Dancing? Oh yeah I remember that I didn't go to see I went to Lethal Weapon instead There's a film yes 25 years of Dirty Dancing and one of the best bits of that is you and your on-air missus, yeah, on-air Nikki Mickey Ma, reenacting one of the famous scenes from the film. Now, this hasn't even been broadcast yet, this podcast, no. but I can already tell you we've had lots of uh, emails in telling you how bad your acting was. Just turn it on. Don't get angry. I told you that I couldn't act all. I know, I but I could make a bit of an effort. I said to you, I'm saying to <laughs> I did my best. Do you know what the best bit is? Do you know how hard it is doing Patrick Swayze right. and putting on the, the southern accent trying to be tough in that, eh? <laughs> do you know how hard that is? A I do know, myself. and I will let everybody know how hard it is because I've got the outtakes here. You think you could make the world better? <laughs> what? No. Well, Excuse I, me. I know, but this uh, listen, cool. listen. Look, I'm, I'm supposed not got time to, I'm supposed to, go to want to dance with you, and uh-huh. I'm not going to dance that's with you if you're like that. That's my southern American voice. He was supposed to be Irish. No, and Dirty Dancing he was Yes, in. he was. He was South, Southern American. I just read an, an IMDb. Aye, but he was Southern American, deep south. Get on with it. Not a stupid accent. I've never known anybody like you. You think you can make the world better? Somebody's lost, you find them. Somebody's bleeding in you. I go get my daddy. That's really brave, like you said. That was just as bad as mine. Exactly. Look what you've made me do. <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, bloody mammy. Focus, focus. Right, here we focus. go, here we go. Right, come, come on. on. From the top, from the top. Focus. <clears throat> I've never known anybody like you. You think you can make the world better? Somebody's lost and you find them. Somebody's bleeding in you. I go get my daddy. That's really brave, like you said. That took a lot of guts to do that. Oh. 
to go to him. It's really difficult to read this, but it's a proper script. Do you want a better light on? Flick the lights on. Aye. Uh, oh, 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 oh. That's very unkind. Red light. <clears throat> We're going from the top or just that line? Take it from the top. I need to. I'm like a method actor. Method or not? Yeah, quite. <laughs> Listen, I was picture yourself, right? As Patrick Swayze, it was a rainy night. Okay, his car's parked. Okay, and he's locked the keys in the car, and he has to get a bollard, and he kicks it out. I think it's three click, three kicks, and I think on the fourth click possibly, or maybe the third click, it goes like there's a pop noise, and then he smashes his own window just to go for a drive with Jennifer Grey. The, 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 that was the method acting I had to adopt. What's that got to do with you being a terrible? Because that was the scene just after when when they say that, and then he goes, "Let's go for a drive," okay. and then they do the lift on the log in the rain. <laughs> it's beautiful. It is beautiful. You, you're beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, time to try and win some prizes. <laughs> hey, 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 what we got? We got to eat stuff. I don't. I have actually. Let me just look in this. I've got three oranges in my bag. Three oranges. Oh, my drawer's stuck. My prize drawer is stuck. People, hold on. Back here, oh. you can see. Do you want some I lube? have. No. Just for the draw, mate. Michael Bolton. Gems, the very best of. Michael Bolton. Short hair, Michael Bolton. Not long hair, Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton. A bit more relaxed, Michael Bolton. That's kind of him looking his 50s kind of look at me. Yeah, but he was very. I've got money, I'm well to do, I know what I'm doing. I feel Michael Bolton, the best thing he did as an artiste was getting his hair cut. Stay because... out of the 80s. <laughs> 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 90s, I true, true. But to be fair, if you listen to Michael Bowen, because I did evolve a little bit, Uh-oh. I went through a bad time. I went through yeah, a bad time. It. it was the first time I shaved my armpits. However, um, <laughs> I went through a bad time. And let me, you listen to Michael Bowen. He was speaking to his sister at the time. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, like, she was out. I was in a room. I was in a room bowling a palm olive, whatever it was. Anyway, um, Michael Bowen, right, pre-haircut, sounds like he's bursting in the toilet. <laughs> Steel bars! Get <laughs> <laughs> to go, this will make me sweat. So, Michael Bowen and I'm on a flight getting air rage going, I know it's engaged, I know it's engaged, but I'm bursting. Anyway, moving on, we've got a, a double CD here. Double CD. Double CD of Pete Waterman presents The Hit Factory. Oh the soundtrack word. to a generation. There's everything in here from uh, if it wasn't for Mel Pete... and Kim, Rick Astley, Kylie Minogue, Dead or Alive, Banana Rama 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 Rama. Oh my I word. Oh, Do you know brilliant. something? If it wasn't for Pete Waterman, I would not have. The love of trains that I have. <laughs> is that it? We've got Michael Bolton. Hold on, hold was, on, I'm going for this. Well, we need to give hold somebody on. that's decent. What about that mug? What about your mug with a big spoon? No, no, that's my, that's my Christmas mug. I use this all year round. It's a big mug with Santa on it. But that defeats the whole purpose of it being a Christmas mug. I know. I've got, I've got a grenade mug. I've got a grenade mug. A grenade mug? Like a hand grenade mug. It's not a real hand grenade, but it's like, I can't give you that actually because Sports oh. John gave me it. So why, why, why are you telling us? I just got excited. You just let everybody down. Everyone's thinking, oh, I'm going to win at this competition now. But no, it's no point. How do you think Jesus feels about using a Christmas mug every day of the week? It's in honour of Jesus, actually. Well, it's actually Santa, because Santa's on it. It's not Jesus, on it? <laughs> Technically, Jesus um, was it's born at Christmas, and he didn't have Santa, the beard till at least... Do you think it's a bit of a dodgy-looking Santa? It's got a spoon in there as well. It's a big one. Do you think it's a bit it, of a dodgy-looking Santa? It possibly looks like he's doing some sort of unwarranted World War II salute. <laughs> Anyway, what other prizes have we got? We've got Hue and Cry, one of their new albums. Oh, Hue and Cry, I see you. That was around in the 80s. Uh, That was good, that was good. I don't know what else I've got in here. Oh, oh, what's this? What's this? Morton Harkett, Scared of (gasps) Heights. Oh my word, I could not tell you Uh on first count how Uh many leather bands I had on my right arm when I had to. Where are you going with this? Okay, okay, okay. We're more leading than I have. You were a massive AHA fan, weren't you? Huge AHA fan. Okay, I went to school after seeing the, the the take on me video. I insisted on getting a leather jacket, wearing a white t-shirt and jeans, and I got a row from the teacher. 
What and then what didn't like? help was a week after that, my dad went to one of these dodgy Sunday markets and bought me a T-shirt with a, had a meal, a cockerel on it, and it said on the right hand side the cockerel was on the left, and the right hand side of the T-shirt says nothing like a big cock to wake you up in the morning. So that was two weeks in a row around, <laughs> raging like. Shocking. And we've got a Nick Kershaw single. We spoke yes! to him earlier in this show. <laughs> this is coming off his uh, album 8. It's out uh, last month, The Sky's the yeah. Limit. Listen, Plenty of CDs. Look at that. That's, a that's enough. File. That's enough. Because what's going to happen is whoever wins all these prizes is going to go into some sort of state of euphoria, right? Oh, and then they're going to blame us. They're going to blame us for starting drinking, starting the drugs, because what? they cannot keep up the, the excitement they got when that landed in the post. I'm and I'm going to throw in a signed photograph and a picture of, uh, picture of Paul's left nipple. I've got that in my notes <laughs> If you'd like to win the prizes Excluding the last one Gino mentioned Then all you've got to do is uh, We need to think of a name for this feature I don't even know what to call it Why do we call it? <laughs> I don't know why Right okay I'll tell you what okay. why, why don't we figure out what it is first <laughs> And then I we know can, exactly what it is right, What is it then? What is it? it then is, we'll get a name Basically right. It's going to be a name of a film And it's been The, the name of the film is going to be made up of Words from different songs Right, this so is it's quite it. a convoluted kind of idea. I know what we can call it. Okay. What is the name of this <laughs> movie that the songs are saying? No, no, no. Is that it? So no, because you've got to guess the song is not the name of the movie, because that's pretty obvious. Right, so, right. <laughs> can you just run by me again? So, so basically, we've got uh, a name of a film, which this <laughs> week I'm going to pick Back to the Future just because I can. That's my job, okay, that's what I'm okay. doing. Okay, so Back to the Future, made up of clips of songs from the 80s so one word from one song going back another one from another song going to another song going the and another song going future not like that because why do we call it go why do we call it go back to the future so yeah can't be back to the future right. because that is this week's it might be a different film it might be St Elmo's Fire next week right okay let's call it let's call it so what it is it's, um, it's a movie title yep taken from lyrics from, from, from music yeah okay so why do we call it music of the movies? Movie music <laughs> title lyrics. I'm loving it. I'm. I'm. Should we just play it. That'll probably be the best thing to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to win all these wonderful CDs, tell me the four song titles that make up Back to the Future. Do we Ready? need artists? What's all right? Do we need artists? No, that's right, a bit okay. too difficult. I think a bit too difficult. Here we go. Back to the future. Oh. <laughs> now do you see where I'm coming um, from? That is impossible. Why do oh, I call it the impossible game? The impossible. I'm happy with that. But I'm happy right, with that. But then we don't bring in music and movies, though. We need to have oh. something music and. Why don't the impossible music okay. and movie game? Why don't right? This is this is why don't. If you actually listen to this whole podcast and get to this point and end of this competition, why don't you come up with a name? Right? Okay. I've done enough research today. To be fair, if you've got this far, you've done very very well indeed. Anyway, let's hear it one more time. Back to the future. Like, see, I I thought the end bit there maybe was the future was one song, but it's not. It's four separate songs. Very quick. The the the, the longest time you've got on one of the words is back. That is it. That's it. Yeah. You ready again? Back to the future. Can you imagine if you spoke like him, was ordering something at a garage. <laughs> Why a garage? <laughs> that's the first thing that came in your head. Well, technically, whenever I go anywhere else, I use the self service checkout. All right. Okay. But I don't in a garage. I you get that lady. People. I actually know that woman. You know the one with the woman that does the voice over everything. Up. I do seriously. Shut up. Seriously, I've got Shut a phone up. number right here. Actually, yeah, she's a voice of a friend of mine. Actually, Shut up. It's a true story. Look, true I didn't story. really impress me. Would you impress me if you said I know the guy that used to voice the speaking spell? <laughs> I'd be impressed with that. 
Okay, so I'm not impressing anybody. I'm sorry about that. So anyway, yeah, this competition to win all these amazing CDs and prizes and malarkey, Michael Bolton, best ofs and don't repeat factories them, don't repeat and them, don't repeat them. Okay, bundle, and stuff like that. And Gino's going to throw in his nipple or something like no, that. No, Paul's I, picture is nipple and I'll sign a photo. Oh my Christ. Anyway, yeah, Paul's nipple. One more time. Back to the there you go. Get in touch. Paul at mfr.co.uk. Paul at mfr.co.uk. If you think you can work that out. It's a bit like um, Titch's Bits of Hits, but it's not. It's uh, 80s I'd, bits of um, hits in movies. I think there was too much um, too much observation of Titch's Bits during the 80s, so I think we should just leave it where it is. Anyway, you can contact me if you want. My number is 0779 <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, then. Uh, moving on to our very yeah. last interview of the month, rounding off... John Farnham! John Parr! Different man altogether. They look the same, honestly. Oh, they look the same. the same. They have a nightmare of a time they pair, especially on the same flight. Nightmare. Because <laughs> one of them doesn't fly first class, and that's your second question. He's best known, obviously, for the hit. You're the voice. <laughs> John Parham! John Parham! See, it almost fires. Cheese and rice. I can hear the film. Did you see the film? Did you like the film? Oh, you see, it almost fire. Magic movie. Get it now. <laughs> because it'd just be amazing. In fact, I think we should start recommending. I'd massive it. I mean, Demi Moore in there as well. Yeah, that's right. Demi good, Moore. Ro- good role. She was the one with the jeep. And the, it was funny because he'll tell this story in, in the interview, John Parr. But um, the, the the song was written about a man in a wheelchair, a man who broke his back. That was basically mm-hmm. what it came from. Mm-hmm. But and when he had to tell the the, the movie company who wanted the song, St. Elmo's Fire, like, yeah, 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 all you need is these pair of wheels. Demi Moore's Jeep, that's that bit, yeah. No, that's good. So we kind of had to lie about where it all came from and stuff. So. But um, I remember hearing the story about this as well, about the guy. It was a real guy, and did he not do so? He, 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 he was paralysed, and he was in the wheelchair. And he, what did he, was it, he achieved something? I can't he remember. He went around the world yeah. in his wheelchair. Yeah, and he raised millions and millions. And he was known raised as, like 250 billion or something nowadays. And he was known as like the man in motion. Man in motion, that was on the side of the bus. So it was a song, song just about sheer uh, endurance uh, of the human uh, body and human mind and human heart which was, in a sense, raped by the commercialism of American movie making in Hollywood. Do you know what? Until you got to that bit, I was going to say, that was beautiful, the way you... I'm sorry, but it was so. It was about a guy in a wheelchair, what? and they made a movie, and they said... But it kind of it was a vehicle to get that song out there. Got the whole thing known about everything with the wheelchair yeah, but and the guy. The, that vehicle... They raised a lot of money from that, so it, it's good. Yeah, but originally that vehicle was a, the vehicle was a wheelchair, yeah. and then it became Demi Moore's Jeep. I mean, who would give a toss about Demi Moore? Yeah, but it, the they world wouldn't have had the song crying about Ashton Kutcher. For the film. Yeah, that's right. So there well, we true. Go. Yeah, true, there true. We go. And to be fair, it was 80s was probably the strongest decade where you'd have a brilliant movie with a brilliant tune. As well. I think the soundtracks made a lot of the films totally. back then. That was sometimes the best thing. Look at Cocktail. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. Berlin. Yeah. Yeah. Howling Danger Zone. That was Kane Loggins. Playing, playing with the boys. <laughs> let's get lubed up and go for a game of volleyball. Look at the sun suit. While Gino's lubing up, let's hear the interview with John Pop. The man in motion, the naughty, naughty rock and roll mercenary himself. I am, of course, talking about the one and only, the legendary John Parr. How you doing, Paul? I'm not too bad at all. How's yourself? I'm great, thank you. Just in case anyone's not familiar with the story, just I'm sure they are, but just just give us a an overview of how because you were stuck kind of writing the lyrics to the song. I was, you? yeah. I mean, I got a call out the blue from David Foster. I was I was out on the road with Toto, and uh, Naughty Naughty was a, was out in the charts. David Foster's a big time record producer, and uh, I, fortunately, I didn't know, <laughs> which always helps. And he called me up and he said, "I'm working on this movie, so I'm almost fired. Do you want to come write a song?" So. Um, 
I got off the tour and we had one day to write the song, one day to write it, one day to record it. And uh, we wrote the song in an hour, couldn't come up with the words. And uh, he showed me a video of Rick Hansen, which is a young 20-year-old boy. He broke his back in a car accident two years previously. And he just said, it's crazy. You break your arm or your leg, you're in a plastic cast for eight weeks. You break your back, you're in a chair for the rest of your life. He said, I'm going to get in my wheelchair and wheel it around the world. And the video just starts with him wheeling out of the car park, nobody there. And on the side of this truck, which is going to be this home for the next two years, it says Man in Motion World Tour. And the hairs just stood up on the back of my neck. I said to David, I'm going to write, I'm going to write the words about this man. And even though he hadn't done the journey, what I imagine his journey is going to be like. And uh, I managed to fool the film company <laughs> who believed the pair of wheels I sing about was Demi Moore's Jeep in the movie. <laughs> Obviously, they're, they're Rick Hansen's wheels in the wheelchair, you know, and... Rick, it took Rick two years, two months, and two days to do 25,000 miles. And in that time, two years, we raised 18 million for spinal research. Wow. And I say now, 25 years later, we've raised a quarter of a billion dollars and people and built a place called ICORD, which is the world's leading hospital for spinal research in, in Vancouver. And people with that same injury that Rick uh, confined to a chair, and if they're lucky enough, are walking again. You know, wow. I mean, that's, you know, the power of a dream and a song sometimes. Oh, it's just certain individuals are just truly inspirational, aren't they? And that's, yeah, that's absolutely. It really just sums up the power of, you know, inspiration. This song was just inspired by just a man who had a terrible tragedy and out of that tragedy went on to get people out of wheelchairs. So, yeah, John Parr, fantastic interview. Very, very nice guy as well. And uh, everything went well for him during the skydive. He talked a little bit about doing a skydive wow. and everything, yeah. Man in yeah, motion. Fantastic. <laughs> Man in motion, indeed. I think John Farnham did a skydive one time. <laughs> but they had to arrange different dates because all the fans got so confused they turned up when John Parr was there. I'm getting John so Parr. confused now. Who did I interview? Was it John Parr or was it John Farnham? The guy that sung you the voice. <laughs> <laughs> really? I don't, I don't understand. We have to download it, load this, and listen back. I I, I'm getting scared if I'm being honest with you. Anyway, so yeah, the uh, the whole competition thing still on the go. Yeah. Tell me the four song titles of this, please. Back to the I personally think the third one's the hardest to get. The the because it's quite short. Yeah. Back to the future. Well, saying, when I first heard it, I thought the future. I thought, wait a minute, that's C. But no, uh, it's actually no, four. Back to. And I'll the give you a bit of a future. clue as well. The is taken from the start of the song title of a big number one single from the 80s. So it's not like it's an obscure song, it's not taken from the middle of a verse, it is the start word of the title of a number one hit from the 80s. Do you know what's really weird? Uh, I know the answers. And you can't remember? And I can't remember, even with that clue. <laughs> <laughs> I think next time round we should actually, oh, it's going to be the song, it'll be, Save Hell Most Fire, or you're the voice coming on standing. Oh, John Farrell. <laughs> I have to go back at home and look at pictures of him alone with the curtain shot. I think. Which well. one? John Farnham. <laughs> not John Parr. No. Okay, just He's not as good looking as John Farnham. Oh, look at this. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, get in touch. Paul at mfr.co.uk. Um, if you want to get in touch with that competition, win loads of stuff, that'd be pretty cool. Um, if you want to give us anything to talk about as well, yeah, 80s I think, related. Yeah. If you want to suggest, you know, we heard a list earlier. We talked about favorite bands, favorite programs, favorite movies. You know, if you've got something, do you want us to uh, analyze one of your favorite movies? Talk about one of your favorite TV shows. Gino can destroy just, it yeah, for you. Just send yeah. us a list. We'll give you our opinions on it. And also, just thinking about what's happened now. We've had an eighties return, mm. yeah, of Dallas. Oh, okay, yeah. we're going to talk about that maybe in a future episode. What else needs to come back from the eighties? What, what else, else should we bring Shell back? Suits. Yeah. 
Yellow shell suits. But ideally with a lacquer. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, there'll be kids. You want to burn them again. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I remember, what, you know, I, I like to stand and I'll go for a McDonald's. <laughs> I stand next to the heater. I don't want to actually end up moving. fast the... food joints are available. Yeah. They are, yeah, true. Not many as a drive through <laughs> There is a pain. Anyway, so yeah, thank you very much for listening to the 80s Rewind Again podcast with myself, Paul Stevenson, and Gino Conti. It's been a blast. The Paul, 80s Rewind shows on every Tuesday night on MFR2. Uh, blast back to the 80s with interviews and everything like that. And we've got all the features in there. We've got it's the amazing. Craig Eisen brings us the showbiz flashback from this day back in the 80s, which and is it's always really. interesting. I look at the tweets of the week as well. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, 80s Paul, that's 80s Paul. That's my name. What's your name? Can I can I give my Twitter yeah, plug? Go for it, go for it's it. at the Gino Conti. G I A N O C O N T I. I spelled differently to the way Kevin spelled. Well, I tell you what, if you want to do is follow Paul the eighties, right, and then you'll just find me because I'm one of your followers. This is true. This is true. Because so, I follow you, you follow me. We sound like a bit like Genesis right now. <laughs> and on that note, I want to leave you, and I'll say we'll catch you again soon. Catch you again soon. The eighties rewind again with Paul Stevenson and Gino Conti. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Get more from the North's number one radio station at mfr.co.uk.